So as we had outlined in the previous lessons that uh, the um, Bible tells us that there are three harvest festivals, and we're going to just go over a little bit about that. In Matthew thirteen thirty-eight, Jesus, in one of the four parables he taught, uh, explained that. He said, the field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. So let's just look over the seven feasts again that God gave to Israel, because each one uh, represented a prophetic fulfillment. And we have the three that are in the spring, that are all in the month of Nisan, Passover, Unleavened Bread, First fruits. That first fruits, of course, was the first fruits of the barley. And then we have 50 days to uh, Pentecost, which is in the month of Sivan. And that's when, of course, the Holy Spirit was given. It's also the day on which the law was given in the Old Testament because they had traveled uh, 50 days, well, 46 days and three days getting prepared. And on the 50th day, God told Moses to come up on Mount Sinai. And then we have a four-month gap until the Feast of Trumpets, uh, which begins the the beginning of the secular year. And then ten days later, we have the Feast of Atonement. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves, came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. And last week, we went into... uh, great detail of who those were, that they were the first fruits, and that those were the children, the babies, that had been slain during Jesus's um, first couple years. And the reason why they're described as without guile, blameless virgins. Again, the scripture that supports that there was a bodily resurrection, even in the Old Testament, is Isaiah 26, 19. It says, thy dead men shall live together. With my dead body shall they arise. And again, that was the first fruits of the barley. And then on Pentecost, uh, Jesus again in Matthew 13.30 describes a harvest. It says, let them both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn, but gather the wheat into my barn. Pentecost was the wheat harvest where they would bring uh, two loaves of bread baked with leaven and present them to the priest. And then finally, the last ingathering was during the Feast of Sukkoth or Tabernacles, and that is um, exemplified by Revelation 20, verse 4. And it is the scripture that gives us the definitive end of the first resurrection. And this is the scripture that, of course, uh, people who believe in a post um, tribulation rapture point to, but what they don't understand is that it was not one event, that the resurrection is in three uh, different categories. That's why it says Jesus, the first fruit, but every man in his own order. 
Revelation 20 verse 4 says, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. That means they were dead because they were not in bodily form at that time. They were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads. So this is tribulation saints. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. This is obviously a resurrection. So we see that the three, or sorry, the four different products represent four different groups of people. The barley, which was the first thing harvested in the year, represents the Jews. Because, of course, in Revelation, it describes them as being 12,000 from each of the tribes of Israel. And so they were Jews. But the wheat harvest, that was all. It says, I will gather them and into the wheat into my barn. And, of course, that's the church. And then finally, the tribulation saints and those who, uh, the righteous dead from the time of Adam. That's why we have the oil and the wine. So let's look at our timeline again. Uh, so we have that the, be, the end of the first resurrection is explicitly defined in Scripture in Revelation 20. And it's the resurrection of the righteous dead of the Old Testament and, of course, the tribulation saints. That's what's represented by the oil because oil, it, you only get the olive oil from being crushed. And we know the beginning of the harvest year was when Jesus arose because the Bible tells us he is the first fruits of them that died. So that's the harvest year. Now, in the middle of that, at some point coming up shortly, we will have the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy of the last seven years and also what Jesus spoke about, the time of Jacob's trouble. And that will start with the confirmation of a covenant or treaty or some political agreement, and that will herald the start of the seven-year period. Then the Bible goes into great detail uh, about this time and, in fact, divides it into two parts of three and a half years each. At the end of the seven-year period, we know that Christ returns to rule on earth with his bride, and then we go into the millennial reign for a thousand years. But the seven years in Scripture is broken up into two main categories of three and a half years each. And it's in the middle that Satan, the Bible says, comes down and is full of wrath. And I believe it's at that time, as we taught last week, and we will go into much more detail today, is the rapture of the church. Now, the truth of the matter is that it's only the church that is in the bride, Although there are three resurrections, it's only the wheat harvest that is the bride of Christ. So let's look at this in detail now. What was the God's purpose for the rapture? Well, number one, because the church, his bride, the Bible says, is not appointed or destined for wrath. And, of course, in the model that Jesus set up of it being his bride, when a Jewish wedding started, they consummated the, the, the marriage by being intimate in what was known as the hoopah, the consummation room. And of course, that is, that is modeled by heaven. First Thessalonians 5, 9 says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath. Paul here was talking to the Thessalonians church and explaining to them why they were going to be caught up because the wrath of God is going to be fully poured out 
during the latter half of that seven-year period. Number two, the reason why uh, the purpose for the rapture is, of course, to take us out of the earth because the Bible says the earth is going to become a prison and a place of punishment because, of course, the wrath of God will be poured out. Isaiah 24, 21 says, And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones, the fallen beings, the fallen angels, the rebellious spirits that are on high, and the kings of the earth, all of them upon the earth. And Isaiah twenty four twenty two uh, goes on a little bit more detail. It says, and they shall be gathered together as prisoners. The earth is actually going to become a prison. And that's why we're removed so that we don't suffer the wrath of God. They shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and shall be shut up in the prison. And after many days, they shall be visited. So for three and a half years, God's wrath is going to be poured out upon the earth. But the church will be raptured. The tribulation saints, those that uh, did not make it into the church, of course, will be beheaded and be raptured or sorry, be resurrected at the end of the three and a half years. The other purpose of, of the, the church going to heaven is, as I said, God has modeled this as a wedding. In Matthew 22, verse 2, he gave a parable. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And in Revelation 19:9, it goes a little bit deeper. It says, and he saith unto me, write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. The wedding begins at the rapture. The consummation is in heaven. But the church will not stay in heaven. It's just like a Jewish wedding where they would go into the room, they would become intimate and consummate the wedding. Then they would come out for the marriage supper and celebrate it with the guests. As I said, the reason in detail why the church is removed is because God's wrath is going to be poured out upon the earth. Uh, in Isaiah 24, 21, as I said, and in Isaiah 22, it gives that in detail. Again, in Isaiah 13, 9, it gives the judgment of the earth. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For nearly 6,000 years, God has watched his creation violate all his principles, kill, murder, rape, pillage, innocent people, kill babies, do all kinds of heinous things. And finally, God's wrath is going to be poured out. The Bible says without measure. Verse 11, and I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease. You see, we went through one of these cycles before at the time of Noah. God gave a provision for those who wanted to change, those who wanted to be saved, to enter the ark. But after he preached all that time, according to the New Testament, 120 years, it was only his family he was able to save. And judgment fell upon the earth because God's spiritual laws will not allow forever there to be some 
things that corrupt and are imperfect in his universe. I firmly believe that at the time when Christ come, judgment was going to fall on the earth then. But Jesus said, but if I be lifted up, I will draw all. Now in the King James, it says men, but in the original, it has no reference. He was speaking about the time when Moses created the bronze serpent and everyone who looked at it, he drew the judgment. That was what happened. He says that now is the judgment of the earth come. But because he was lifted up on the cross, that has been delayed for some thousands of years. But eventually it is going to be poured out without measure. Verse 11, Isaiah 13 says, And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked of their iniquity. Even now there are people being horribly tortured and burned alive and all kinds of things being done. We read in Hebrews about prophets being sawed in two and all the other things that men have done, and all of that blood has been accumulating, and God's wrath has been accumulating and will be poured out. I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity, and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease, and I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make man more precious than fine gold." even a man than a golden wedge of a fear. Therefore I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. I was just listening uh, last night to uh, the fact that they just returned a spacecraft from picking up some uh, material from a asteroid called Bennu, and now it's deposited it on the earth it it landed and now it's going on its way to uh, interface to another asteroid called apophis now this asteroid apophis is scheduled to be the closest a big asteroid to come near this planet for a long time i think it's in uh, 2028 or 2029 it's supposed to uh, just miss the planet maybe but the bible speaks about the fact that there's going to be worldwide cataclysms Therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. Now the rapture is really going to uh, have two subgroups in the wheat harvest. There's those, the Bible speaks, that are dead in Christ. That means those who have been baptized and filled with his spirit since Pentecost but have passed on. 1 Corinthians 15.35 they were asking Paul, how, how is this going to be? Because what if we have died? How are we going to come back? But he was trying to explain it. He said, but some man will, will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, or in other words, made alive, except it die. And now he likened it to a grain. Like when you sow an acorn, what comes up is not an acorn, but a, a completely uh, glorious tree. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not the body that shall be. He was saying, you're not going to come back looking exactly the same because that would be terrible if we went the way we came, you know, old and decrepit, but it's going to be something beautiful. Again, he gives the hint that it's the wheat harvest. He says, but bear grain, it may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him and to every seed his own body. The Bible says we're going to get a new body, a glorious body. The second group, of course, are those who are alive at the time that Jesus comes or at the time that the rapture happens. First Corinthians 
15:51. He says, "Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Not everyone is going to have passed away. There are going to be people alive who were born again, baptized in the Holy Ghost, baptized in the water. But we shall all be changed. Those that are alive, their bodies too are going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption... And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And this is the scripture that's read many times at the graveside. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Well, of course, the argument always is, well, when will this be? When will the rapture happen? When will be the wheat harvest? Well, Jesus again the Bible gives us the season. Matthew twenty-four forty. he tells a story. He says, then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Now think about that. He's actually giving us a clue as to the timing. When are men in the field? When are women grinding? Well, it's at the harvest. What Jesus is letting us know is that the rapture is going to be on a harvest festival. And of course, we already know which one. It's the wheat for the church. In Matthew 3, verse 12, he says, speaking about the prophecy about Jesus as he was writing his book, he says, whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat. Now he's describing how that they get the grain. They, they, when they weren't able to go to a high place to separate the husk from the, the, the grain, they would use a fan. And the fan would blow away the husk, the light things, and the grain would fall, and then they would gather it up. So this is what he's describing. Gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Again, Jesus is coming for the wheat harvest. It goes on in Matthew 13, 25, uh, what happened that there would be uh, a, a, someone that would come and try and sow tares among the wheat. Verse 29, but he said, nay, lest while he gather up the tares, he root up the, the wheat. So he said, let them both grow together until when? The time of harvest. The time of harvest. And that verse ends with, but gather the wheat into my barn. So we can see that God has already given us all the scriptures and clues to tell us when it happens. But let's look some more about the scripture that says that gather the wheat into my harvest. Let them both grow together until the time of the wheat harvest. So now let's look at the the, the seven feasts and let's focus now on another clue that Jesus gave us. Each one of these feasts are prophetically fulfilled by something related to Christ. Of course, Passover, he became our lamb our Passover lamb. Unleavened bread, he was that bread. He said, I am the bread of life. First fruits, he was the first fruits of them that died. 
And then Pentecost, of course, he was the Holy Spirit. He says, I am with you, but I shall be in you. Trumpets, of course, signals the freedom. And the blowing of trumpets was the signal of the beginning of the year, Rosh Hashanah. It's called many names, Yom Teruah, the, the day of the blowing of the trumpets. And then atonement, of course, is the fulfillment of the sin problem, of the at one with God. And then finally, tabernacles is when we dwell in his presence forever. Amen. So the timing of the rapture, though, is at the wheat harvest in all likelihood. Now, many have thought, well, it must be Feast of Trumpets, and it could be. But the clue that Jesus gave makes us think that it is probably going to be at Pentecost, the wheat harvest. Let's look at that. Because the wheat harvest is in the middle. Remember, the three harvests, the first, the barley for the Jews, the wheat harvest for the Gentiles, and the oil and the wine for the tribulation saints and the Old Testament saints. Now, Jesus said something really interesting when he came to Jerusalem at Pentecost. Let's look at this. Say not ye that there are yet four months. So we know that he was speaking at Pentecost. And the next feast, trumpets, was four months away from Sivan to Tishri. And then cometh the harvest. There's own, the, the only time there's a four-month gap between feasts is between Pentecost, which is in the month of Sivan, and Tishri, the Feast of Trumpets. He was telling them, you think that it's a Feast of Trumpets. Then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look. Look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. I believe that that was Jesus' clue that sometime between Sivan and Tishri will be the rapture. Now, I said the first reason for the rapture was to take away the saints. Uh, the second was to, sorry, was to fulfill the prophecies of the marriage supper. Number two was to uh, protect us because the earth is going to become a prison. But now let's look at the third reason. In Revelation, John sees this vision, and let's just read it. Revelation 12, 3. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Well, again, the rapture is to protect his church, right? First, we're not appointed to wrath. Second, the earth is going to become a prison. And thirdly, he's going to be protecting us. The dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. As soon as the day of Pentecost came and the church started, there began not long after that great persecution, great persecution. The dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as it was born. Now this symbol in Revelation is interpreted mainly one way that the of course, the man-child to be born is Christ, and that the woman is Israel. 
And I do believe that that is part of the symbolism. But I do believe that there is a second uh, parallel symbol that is going on at the same time. Let's read it. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. So most certainly one interpretation or one of the parallel paths of this is that the woman represents Israel in this last three and a half years. But also there is a parallel branch where something else is also being told us. Now the Bible tells us that Christ is the head of the body. Fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God. So now we're going to see two things here. A heavenly people and an earthly people. Back in Revelation, sorry, back in Genesis when God was giving his promise to, to Abraham, he told him to come outside. And he gave him two symbols. He said, look up heavenward. Your descendants are going to be as the stars. Then he said, look down. Where was he to look as the sand, a desert on the seashore? The woman represents Israel, but also the man-child represents the bride, part of the body of Christ. So let's look a little bit more detail. In Galatians 4.26 it says, but Jerusalem which above is above is free, which is the mother of us all. The mother of all, verse 27, for it is written, rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry, thou that travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Isaiah 54, verse 4, again, it's modeling the heavenly Jerusalem as a woman. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither shalt thou be confounded for thou shalt not be put to shame for thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood widowhood anymore for thy maker is thy husband the lord of hosts revelation 12:2 and i saw i john saw the holy city jerusalem coming down from god out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband what i'm trying to say is that there are two Groups of people being represented here. Jerusalem above is the woman gives birth to the church. Because that's where the church was born, in Jerusalem. Isaiah 54, 8. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. And all thy children, this is verse 13, shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of of thy children. In righteousness shall thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. So the woman that's in the wilderness is Israel, but symbolically there is also the heavenly Jerusalem, which is also uh, characterized as a woman. Luke twenty four forty nine. we were birthed at Jerusalem. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry, that means wait ye in the city of Jerusalem 
and until you be endued with power from on high. So we see that Jerusalem is where the church was born. And so we can take that symbol to fulfill two things. Isaiah 66 verse 7. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain come, she was delivered of a man child. This prophecy again is echoed in the vision of John the apostle in Revelation. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Rejoice ye with Jerusalem. Now this is often interpreted as being the birth of Israel in May 1948. But it is also the birth of the church. In one day, the church was born. 3,000 were birthed. New sons of God in one day and then 5,000. Rejoice ye with Jerusalem. This has happened in Jerusalem. That he may suck and be satisfied with the breasts of her consolation. That he may milk out and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Remember, when Jesus comes back, what is coming down first? It's the new Jerusalem. Adorned as a bride. That's what will be coming down. So this picture of the woman is two things. We find that immediately in Revelation 12, the dragon makes war. After the vision of the woman, that's what happens. He makes war, trying to destroy both the heavenly and the earthly. Now let's look at a little bit more timing of the rapture. There are many today that interpret the scriptures about um, there being a temple to mean that the rapture cannot happen until there is a literal temple. But I would, I would say that scripture gives us another approach, another way to look at this. Let's look at this. Second Thessalonians 2, 3. Paul was comforting the Thessalonians church who had uh, been under the impression that the wheat harvest, the rapture of the church, had already taken place. Maybe they had had heard all the stories of the of the resurrection in the time of Jesus, and there were people who had, were confused and thinking that was the rapture. But here Paul is setting them straight. No, that was not the wheat harvest. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And the Translation really is rebellion, open rebellion. And the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple. Now, the word that's used here is naos. Naos of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, this word for temple is not the normal word that's used when it's speaking of the physical building. And this, because it's translated as temple in the English, people take it to mean that this can only happen if there is a physical temple. But Paul uses the same word when he's describing the body. Because in fact, today, we are now the temple. We are now the temple of the living God. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians 3.17, he uses the exact word to describe the body. If any man defile the temple, 
the nails of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple, the nails of God is holy, which temple ye are. So what I'm trying to tell you, there is a different, there is a different interpretation of this. It is quite possibly that the Antichrist will be Satan possessing, possessing a human vessel, a human temple, a hybrid being. He has tried this so many times before because he's a counterfeit Christ. Jesus Christ was both God and man, a hybrid being. The Antichrist will also be a hybrid being, Satan and man. And this is what I believe the temple is referring to. When you see him sitteth in the temple and then declare himself to be God. It's in Revelation 12, 7, and I quoted this last time, where the open war, the open rebellion breaks loose. And it's at this time, Paul says that that day shall not come until there comes a falling away. In other words, the open rebellion. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought uh, and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Here is the definitive scripture on the timing of the rapture. And I heard a loud voice. Remember, it's going to be a loud voice when Jesus comes back with the voice of the archangel. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. When that angel declares that, when Satan is finally uh, kicked out for all time out of heaven, that's when we can come up. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. The reason this scripture would make no sense for a pre-tribulation rapture is for that, that would mean that for the first three and a half years after we're in heaven, he is still accusing the saints. That would make no sense. This scripture only makes sense and is coherent if the rapture is at this time. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Verse 11 also makes that point that the overcoming is at this time. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. And the reason now we can rejoice is because he is thrown out. This is the, the true timing of the rapture of the church. Therefore, rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. See, the rapture is when the angel says in a loud voice, now has come salvation. You see, the thing is too is that with the Bible talks about these two witnesses. Now we know that Revelation 11 tells us that after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them and they stood up upon their feet and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, come up hither, come up hither. Now for those that believe that the rapture is one event, uh, the two witnesses obviously are raptured. And so that would not fit into a one-event rapture. Especially if, for those who believe, the rapture is 
pre-trib because there is only one first resurrection. And if the church went in pre-trib, then which resurrection are these two witnesses going in? No, we all go together. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, come up hither. Now these folks were killed. They were martyred because they were at the, for the three and a half years of the last part of the tribulation, they were preaching against the Antichrist, but he could not kill them. They were allowed to be killed right at the end so that they can be in the oil and wine. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies beheld them. Now what about Israel? Well, Revelation 12, 12, 14 tells us, And the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, obviously... These are tribulation saints because remember I said that this has a two, a parallel, um, um, it's giving a parallel picture of Jerusalem being the birth of the church as well as the woman being the birth, the Israel being the, the birth of or the vehicle for the, uh, Messiah. But in this scripture we're seeing that it's speaking about her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at some objections that people come up with for a mid-tribulation rapture. And we're going to look at that by studying a Jewish wedding. Because most people know that a Jewish wedding was a seven-day event. And if, as I'm saying, the rapture is in the midst of the seven days, then the bride would only be with Jesus three and a half years. So how do we fulfill the symbol. Let's look at and break down uh, a Jewish wedding. So the first thing that happens is the marriage covenant, the betrothal. 1 Corinthians 6, 24, ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That means we belong to God. Mary was technically married to Joseph, even though they had not consummated it. As soon as the betrothal, under the Jewish law, she she was technically married. We are betrothed to Christ, although the wedding, the marriage supper has not been consummated. At some point, the son goes off to prepare a place, and at some point he returns to the father's house and prepares the bridal chamber, the hoopah. Isn't that what Jesus said? In John 14, 3, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So then the bride was brought. Um, At a time determined by the father, the groom fetches the bride to bring her to his father's house. Although the bride was expecting her groom to come for her, she did not know the time of his coming. As a result, the groom's arrival was preceded by a shout, which forewarned the bride to be prepared for his coming. The next step of it was this. The bride undergoes a ritual cleansing prior to the wedding ceremony. And that's in 1 Corinthians. The Bible says he's coming back for a church that is without spot or wrinkle. And then the wedding ceremony, the the private part of the ceremony, uh, was in the hoopah. 
The consummation is in the privacy of the bridal chamber and the bride and groom consummate the marriage. Then they have the celebratory marriage feast to which the guests are, right, are invited, the Old Testament saints, those who came out of the tribulation. Now all of this is modeled in the Old Testament in a, in a really amazing way. Remember this seven year period is called the time of Jacob's trouble. And Jacob had two wives. And he had to serve a seven-year period for each of them. But let's look at it because we'll find that they overlap. Genesis 29, 20. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I might go into her. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him. And he went in unto her. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Did I not serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? And Laban said, It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week. What did Jesus do first? He came to the Jews. The, the Gentiles are the younger. He came to the Jews and he, he said during his ministry, I've been sent not to the Gentiles, but to the household of Israel. So here's what happened. Fulfill her week. Fulfill her seven. Uh, the Jewish wedding was seven years. So Laban is saying to, to Jacob, Continue with this marriage feast for the rest of the seven days, the wedding feast, and I will give you, um, I will give you Rachel, but then you will have to serve another seven years. Fulfill the seven days now of the wedding. Don't, don't get mad and leave because you found out after the first night it wasn't who you thought, but fulfill her week. Fulfill the seven days and I will give you uh, Rachel right at the end, but then you'll still have to work for me seven Years And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So we got to see in the New Testament that Jesus would have had to fulfill seven years with Israel. Now, how is that going to be? Well, it works out perfectly. He marries the firstborn Leah, which represents Israel. Remember, Jesus' ministry was broken up because he ministered for how many years to Israel? Three and a half. Three and a half. Remember now, in the last three and a half of the tribulation, who is going to be protected on earth? Israel. When you put them both together, you have the seven years. He married Rachel also, which represents the church. And he fulfills Leah's seven days, the feast, and he marries Rachel while he's on earth also. It's in parallel. How do we know that it was, he was, the church was, um, represented there? Well, he told his, the Pharisees, listen, you're coming to me and you're saying, why are my disciples not fasting? And he uses a very strange, uh, analogy to put this point. He says, how can the children of the bridegroom fast when he is with them. In other words, he was explaining that he was both with Rachel 
and Leah, because that's what happened. He fulfilled the seven days and then got to marry immediately Rachel. And so he was married to both of them. So the church was was also there, you could say, the ecclesia during the first three and a half years. At the same time, Jesus ministered to Israel during the three and a half years. And then it resumes at the rapture. The church, Rachel, is in heaven for three and a half years, and Israel is on earth for three and a half years until the end of the tribulation. Fulfill her week. Fulfill the seven days and serve me for another seven years. We see that the two camps were split. The two camps were split to fulfill, to show that Rachel and Leah were split on his way back to the promised land. Look at this, Genesis 32, 6. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to thy brother Esau and also he cometh to meet thee and 400 men. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed and he divided the people. Leah, his wife, Rachel, his wife, were divided. They were sent in two separate groups. In two separate groups. Isn't that interesting? So let's look at this this on the timeline. Jesus' ministry of 42 months on earth, he was with his bride, Rachel, and he was with his bride, Leah. Mark 2, 19. And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? What a strange thing to say if it wasn't that he was trying to let us know that he was married to Israel and also married to the church, the ecclesia. As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them. Then they shall fast in those days. Matthew 18, 17, Jesus here on earth before Pentecost speaks about the church and he shall, speaking about how to handle things, he says, and if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. So he viewed his disciples even before Pentecost as a, as a group, a called out ones, the ecclesia, the church. So he was both with Rachel and Leah for the first three and a half years and he was both with them in in essence during the last three and a half years of the tribulation, making a total of seven years. So at the start of the 70th week, in the wheat harvest, Rachel going up to father's house, Jesus the bridegroom with his bride Rachel, the consummation entering the bridal chamber, and the woman on earth representing Israel is protected, again representing representing the marriage supper on earth after he returns. So we see now coming to an end of this from the start of this that the feast of first fruits represents the beginning the time of the gentiles 1989 years so far and in a future unknown date will be the start of the last 7 years and the beginning of Daniel's 70th week the time of Jacob's trouble. The first three and a half years will be the beginning of this tribulation period, but it's not uh, the wrath of God. At the middle of that, Satan will rebel openly in a, and try and take over in heaven, and there will be war in heaven, as written out in Revelation 12, and he will be cast out. And at that time, we will be raptured. Revelation twelve fourteen and the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, 
where she is nourished for a time, times and a half time. That is the 42 months. Daniel 7.25, speaking about what's going to happen. And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and to think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand until a time, times and the dividing of time. There's that 42 months speaking about the last three and a half years. So the Feast of First Fruits happened about A.D. 31. The barley harvest of 144,000 Jews, virgins, first fruits unto the Lamb as pointed out in Revelation 4.4. And then the rapture of the church, the wheat harvest, spoken about in Matthew 13.30. And then finally at the second coming, the harvest of the oil and wine, Revelation 14.18. Now, in Revelation, it gives us a clue. Let's read it. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld a low, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, Now here's a mystery. A measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Now, we see the, the four groups of agricultural products, but they're given in different proportions. In Matthew 13, 33, he measured, he, it, measures, it mentions this again. Another parable spake he unto them of the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal. Well, in Revelation, the three measures of meal are, are, are revealed as barley. In Matthew 13.33, the leaven, of course, is the Gentiles. The barley, of course, is the Jews. So what is this really saying? What is this trying to explain to us? The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal. What it's really telling us is, of course, the origin of Christianity is Jewish, the barley. And in each of those harvests, there will be Jews. The original barley harvest, the rapture, the wheat harvest, and of course at the oil and the wine. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them. So let's look at this again now as to why it said the three measures. How do we explain that? Well, let's look at the three groups. The barley harvest, of course that is the Jews, so that's the first measure. At the church... There will be the Gentiles, which was the leaven, but there was, it was baked with, with, um, into the, into the wheat. Tribulation, saints, and righteousness. So here's the first group. But we will have barley at the wheat harvest. And we will have barley at the harvest of the oil and the wine. And so when you look at it that way, the Bible explains the three measures. Amen. We are going to conclude the teaching on the harvest with one more week on the oil and the wine. I hope that you have been blessed. We're going to close this Bible study at this time. So wherever you are, I hope that you will come to a a place of faith. I hope you will see that we're right now in perilous times. And we're looking for the soon coming of Jesus Christ. So wherever you are, if you could bow your heart with me as we pray. Father, we just thank you for your mercy and your grace. Lord, let your word find good soil. Help us to be 
in the wheat harvest to be ready hallelujah to go when you come we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives show us your path of light and righteousness lord let your lamp light our way let goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life lord we just thank you for all that you're doing lord give us a straight path help us to grow in you lord to be ready to be your witnesses lord god to declare your gospel and your soon coming we give you all the praise and the glory in jesus name